Welcome to TW Now, where we examine today's news in light of the Bible. I'm Scott Winnale. Great Britain and the United States have indelibly left their marks on world history. Some of it has not been so good, yet the vast majority of their impact has been very positive. Today, we see both Great Britain and the United States deeply divided and in apparent decline. Britain, once the undisputed master of the seas, has just a few naval vessels that are still battle-ready. It's also in the midst of a governmental rift over Brexit, which is tearing the nation apart. A July 28, 2018 article in the highly respected Economist magazine stated the following sobering truth, and I'll quote, In 1900, the British Empire covered two-thirds of the planet. The city of London reigned supreme, and Britain both imported and exported more than any other country. Today, Britain is a shadow of its former self, inward-looking and anxiety-ridden, stagnant and expensive, split down the middle and fearful of the future. The U.S. still <clears throat> may have both the largest economy and largest and most advanced military, but it is deeply in debt, internally divided and viewed by many foreign nations as a decadent society. Other nations at the same time are growing in strength, think China. A commentator wrote the following for the Conservation Magazine on June 26, 2018. And I'll quote again, I believe this global trend spells the end of the exceptional nation Americans imagined they were since the nation was founded and the end of the American era of global domination that began 70 years ago. We are no longer the indispensable nation celebrated by former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright at the end of the last century. But why did Britain and America emerge as world powers in the first place, and why are both of these nations experiencing troubled times at the same moment in history? Are there important lessons for us to learn today? <clears throat> Today's returning guests will look into the pages of the Bible and the evidence from world history and explain specific prophecies about the past, present, and future of Britain and America. I'd like to welcome back Dr. Douglas Winnale. Dr. Winnale is a Tomorrow's World writer and former university faculty member who has written and taught about this topic in great detail. One of his particular articles is entitled Early Christianity in Europe's Western Isles. Dr. Winnale has also lived and traveled extensively in the UK and Ireland and has spent many years researching this fascinating topic. Welcome, Dr. Winnale. It's good to have you back with us. Thank you. Mr. John Meekin, <clears throat> it's good to have you with us again, sir is also a Tomorrow's World writer and a minister of religion. He has written articles related to this topic that include some of the following. Brexit, Britain's Nightmare Divorce, in Independence Scotched, The Miracle of D-Day, and The Diamond Queen. Mr. Meekin is a resident of Great Britain and has followed and studied this topic closely for many, many years. And he's joining us via Skype from his home in England. Again, Mr. Meekin, welcome back. If you have questions, <clears throat> our audience speaking to you, as we carry out our discussion, please feel free to message us. We'll do our best to address some of your questions. Also, we invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and to like us and to share us with your friends. Gentlemen, let's go ahead and begin, and Mr. Meekin will dig in with you first. As we start this topic, talking about our Great Britain and the United States in the Bible, the reality is we all live here in the 21st century. Why would anyone in the 21st century want to look into the Bible to understand world events? Well, good evening, and uh, 
may I say what a pleasure it is to join father and son, a brace of the <laughs> Um, on this really uh, critical subject. And it's a great question to begin with, and it carries me back to the young and tender age of 18, back in 1865, oh, excuse me, no, 1965, uh, 54 years ago, when I was confronted with this question. I wrote to the church for a magazine, and they sent me two booklets, which I didn't request. One of them was on Britain and America in prophecy, and the other one was another one on prophecy. And I took the time to go through them, and I was pretty, pretty stirred up about it. And I can tell you that both of them ended up in the waste paper basket. <laughs> but I thought about it and stomped around the house all day, thinking, well, this is too important, what they were discussing, to lightly dismiss. And so I got the booklet out, and I began to read through the promises to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to the nation of Israel, and then what was promised to them and what happened to them when they didn't obey God and how they went into captivity and how there were modern fulfillments of a number of these prophecies. I began to see that this material was absolutely vital and relevant to my age, the age in which we now live. And so for me, it's in the DNA, it's in my blood, and uh, it's it really vitally important that we look at this Consider what the Bible says. Don't discard what the Bible says. It says it's an up-to-date book, and it, what it says is truth. And find out what it says about this important subject. It could mean everything to your life. You know, most people today have no idea what is actually in the Bible. They've been told it's a bunch of stories, a bunch of legends. Uh, they have no idea of the content that's in the Bible. You know, one of the studies I came across said that 40% of Americans could not even name the first five books of the Bible. That uh, about 12% of adults thought that Joan of Arc was uh, Noah's wife. Uh, a British study said 30% of British parents don't know that Adam and Eve, David and Goliath are, Goliath are actually from the Bible. 30% of parents in Britain thought that Superman and Harry Potter might be Bible stories. This is incredible. See, they, they don't understand what is there. The Bible is about one-third prophecy. It contains about 1,800 specific prophecies. Prophecies are dual. There was a fulfillment in the ancient world. The ultimate fulfillment is going to be at the end of the age. Um, one of the things about Bible prophecy is that Bible prophecies address the subject of geopolitics, predicting what's going to happen to the future of nations. This is an extremely difficult area to, to make any predictions, and yet the Bible does. And as Mr. Meekin was commenting, there are prophecies in the Bible that talk about the nations that we're living in today, not by the same name, but by ancient names. And it talks about what's going to happen to these nations in the future. And as we will see as we go through our program today, many of those prophecies have already been fulfilled, but others are going to be fulfilled, and we're going to watch these things happen. But if we understand the identity of who the prophets are talking about, they talk about Israel, but uh, that's not the Jews necessarily in the Middle East. It's other people. So people don't look to the Bible today because they've been told it's a bunch of stories. It's not really accurate. And yet, whenever you look at the evidence that is there that we'll talk about, 
these prophecies are going to impact us. In fact, they are impacting us today. So you talk about how the Bible is relevant, is a relevant book for us today. <clears throat> there are Bible prophecies that are relevant and, and tell us about the future. Mr. Meekin, <clears throat> would you say that the Bible is also a, a, a tool or a source of historical information as well, not just a, a source of stories? Well, absolutely. Um, let me put it this way. The promises that God made to Abraham were to be partly fulfilled spiritually for the whole world through Christ. So, in the New Testament, we're in an age uh, where God is beginning to deal spiritually with a lot of people, <laughs> as many as he wants. So, the Bible is relevant because of that. But the other side of the Abrahamic promises are uh, physical promises to nations. And those nations then have history. And um, the 12 tribes of Israel became uh, the, the full nation of uh, Israel in the Promised Land, but they then went into captivity. They were scattered, and they were lost to view, lost to history. But they're still there. They're going to be still there when Christ returns. And all of that, those 12 tribes are going to return to their <coughs> Promised Land at the time when Christ returns. Now, just for a moment, think of the first century. Were they lost to view in the first century? Well, Josephus says them place was crawling. They were all over the place. Too many to number. And let's not forget that several of the books of the New Testament are directed to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and the apostles were commissioned by Christ to go where? And preach the gospel to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So prophetically, a lot of what the Bible has to say, and as Dr. Winnell said, a lot of these are still to be fulfilled, are towards the physical descendants of ancient Israel. They're still here. They're still around, and they're there. That, and I, we, we believe they can be identified as a physical but looking at it in different ways and taking the historical data, they can be identified. Well, let's let's go in that direction now. <clears throat> Actually, let's start with Bible prophecy, Dr. Winnell. What does the Bible reveal? What do Bible prophecies reveal about America and Britain? And I guess I should also ask the question, the point blank question, are America and Britain um, named in the Bible? America and Britain are not named specifically as Americans and as, Brit and as British people. The Bible refers to through the Old Testament, basically the historical development of the nation of Israel. As Mr. Meekin mentioned, that nation was made up of 12 tribes. People today think that uh, it's only talking about the Jews, but it's made up, Israel is made up of 12 tribes. The prophecies by and large talk about what was going to happen to those 12 tribes, focusing in on two particular uh, peoples the descendants of Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh. And that's where the Bible picks this up. If we go through, and I would encourage our listeners to do this, we have a booklet entitled uh, United States and Britain in Prophecy, which goes through a number of the topics that we're talking about today. Also, we have a booklet entitled The Bible Factor Fiction. We're talking about information that comes from the Bible. Many people today don't believe the Bible is accurate and yet the Bible has preserved, been preserved like no other book on the face of the earth has been preserved. It talks about how it differs from the Koran and the Book of Mormon and so on. 
But if you start in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, God chose to work with Abraham, not because he was any better than anybody else. We'll find out one of these days why God chose to work with him. It probably had to do with his personal characteristics. God wanted someone to be a light and example to the peoples of this world. So he began working with Abraham. If we look very quickly at the, the conditional promise that God makes to Abraham, beginning in Genesis chapter 12, the first couple of verses, it says, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land where I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When you follow through these prophecies that are developed and the promises to Abraham that are developed through the book of Genesis, how they would become a, yeah, they would inherit the gates of their enemies. They would dwell in the choice places of the earth. Uh, they would become a nation and a company of nations. We read that in Genesis 48. Uh, there's nobody else on the face of the earth that have fulfilled these promises the way they're laid out in the Bible. It just makes me wonder, <clears throat> you just read uh, that in, in Abraham or in Abraham's seed and his descendants, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. When we look around the world today, uh, what nations today really have been used to bless the entire earth or through them who has God blessed the entire earth in so many ways you know you look at Europe why does everybody why did the immigrants in Europe want to come to the UK because there's something there that they can't get other places why do the people from Central and South America and other parts of the world want to come to the United States because of the abundance that is here you know, both America and Britain are taking uh, some really hard raps today because they're told, well, all you did was exploit other people and you took this and you took advantage of that and so on. You know, I talked with an older gentleman in East Africa about 10 years ago. He had been under, he was about 70 years old. He'd been under the British, he'd be under his own people. And I said, where were you better off, under the British? or under your own people. He said, we weren't treated equally under the British, but he said, everything worked in the country. I came across another quote by a young individual who was part of an independence move, movement in another country. He said, I was part of the, the young people that wanted to get the Brits out of here. He said, now I wish they would come back. I wish they would come back. Yeah. You know, the spread of the British Empire and the spread of America's influence around the world has brought freedom, has brought hospitals, has brought schools, has brought uh, uh, law and order. Electricity, air conditioning. Railroads, everything. Automobiles, you know, computers. So God said the descendants of these people, of Abraham, are going to be a blessing to the nations of the world. Now, we didn't do everything right. Uh, things weren't perfect. But... Uh, the world history would be very different. In fact, you look at the Spanish colonies, you look at the French colonies, the Belgian con co uh, colonies in Africa, the, the results were very different. The results were very different. Mr. Meekin, let me come to you with that same question. Uh, can you think of Bible prophecies that highlight uh, America and Britain or the nations that became America and Britain? Well, yes, I think, uh, 
let me take you straight back to me at age 18. And uh, as uh, Dad has just explained, uh, in Genesis 49, we've got this amazing ceremony where Jacob is about to die. God has previously uh, renamed him Israel. And so Israel is about to pass on the blessings of Abraham to Joseph's son. And he has his two grandsons, and they are they. He lays his hand on them the wrong way round, giving the greater blessing to Ephraim, and then the secondary blessing to Manasseh. And he also says in the in the context of that, let my name be named on them, my name of Israel, be named on them. And is um, Ephraim uh, becomes the great company of nations, and then Manasseh becomes the great nation. And don't forget who they are. They are brothers. Now, all my life, I've lived hearing that there is a special relationship between Britain and America. That actually, we are brothers. We have been brothers in arms in two wars. We have our differences. We, have our we fight for advantage of ourselves. But, you know, there is this, this concept, this, this feeling that really, you know, okay, we came out of you and then became separate, but we're still brothers. And we'll still come to our aid. So I think it's this, above all else, it is this particular promise in Genesis 48. And remember, that's right backed up against Genesis 49, which is the chapter that <coughs> with the characteristics of each one of these 12 tribes of Israel. But no, remember, Joseph is now going to become two and is going to get an extra blessing because of, uh, of the blessings on those two. And what it says particularly about Joseph is it's a fruitful bough. This Genesis 49 verse 22, a fruitful bough by a well, his branches run up <laughs> uh, and by the hands of mighty God of Jacob. And it goes on like this. Now, Britain became a colonizing country. And, OK, you could spend a long time investigating why, but nevertheless, they were eager to go. They went to America, they went to Canada, they went to Australia, they went to New Zealand. They weren't all convicts, you know, who went down to Australia. And we expanded like that. Now, you know, did the same thing happen um, to the same extent with France, for example? Well, around the time, uh, the 1700s, when the Mississippi bubble unfortunately took place, one of the big difficulties was getting the French to get out there and stay. They kept coming home. <laughs> um, the Germans about... 30% of the immigration into the United States came from Germany. How amazing. So, all, you know, many of these countries are melting pots of people. But what we're talking about here is a prophetic identity. And it is that grouping of and that single great nation connected vitally to each other, blood, which uh, for me at least uh, at age 18 and onwards uh, has been of great significance. You know, this is a perfect example of how specific Bible prophecies are. That these prophecies were written by Moses probably around 1500 B.C. So these prophecies are talking about the descendants of two sons, two grandsons of Jacob. One would become a great company of nations, and one would become a single great nation. Very specific prophecies. The Jews never fulfilled these things. These have been fulfilled by the modern nations of uh, Joseph of Ephraim and Manasseh today. Mm -hmm. 
So you can't get around how specific the Bible has, is in stating these things. And then as Mr. Meekin mentioned in John, in uh, Genesis 49, verse 1, where Jacob calls his sons together, he says, that I, that I may tell you what will befall you, what's going to happen to you in the last days. And you can get down through 12 sons that are there. There are specific prophecies, and they match up. They match up when you look at the history, for example, of France. France appears to be Reuben. You look at the French history, and it matches up with being discussed there. You look at the history of the Jews. It matches up with the prophecies about Judah. And then you look at the prophecies about Joseph, whose grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh, are there. And those things fit with what has happened to our countries today. Mm -hmm. So God has fulfilled these promises to the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And again, there's no other book on the face of the earth that makes specific promises like this, specific prophecies that have actually come true. I would encourage our listeners to look up uh, Isaiah chapter 46, Isaiah 46 verses 8 to 11, where Isaiah is challenging critics. He said, you guys predict the future and see if you can make it happen. You can't. I am God, and I can predict the future, and I can make it happen. And that's exactly what God does and what we have seen in history. Mm -hmm. Mr. Meekin, did you have a comment? Oh, well, I'm bursting with all sorts of comments. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a book entitled <clears throat> Chosen People. Just one book amongst many. There are a few behind me. But this, to me, is very important. Because what this man is about to, to, to say, and in one sense, he doesn't believe. But he reckons there's enough truth in it that we have to take it into account. Here's what he says. What is America? Who are the English? My thesis is that the secret behind these mysteries lies in a view of themselves that the English and later the Americans had based on a powerful transcendent analogy between their own situation and that of ancient Israel. Now, not that they thought themselves Israelite, but they base it on that narrative of Israel escaping Egypt, Israel escaping the Pharaoh and all that, that kind of stuff. Now, he, he doesn't really believe it himself, but he says, if you want to understand America and, and Britain, where they have come from, what they believed at that time and where they're going, you must understand this narrative that they saw themselves in terms of Israel escaping to do something um, with the word of God, to act upon it and to spread it around the world. And this is what the British did, not uniquely, others did it, but especially the British, especially the Americans. Think, for example, the King James Bible. Now, wherever the British Empire went, the King James Bible, wonderful piece of literature, but it was it was spreading in their own way, up to, up to the limits of their ability, the, the gospel wherever they went. And I think that's highly significant. Well, this takes us now into a, another area that's related, but <clears throat> let's, let's get away from the Bible for a moment. Are there any proofs in secular history or in any other secular areas that the British and American peoples are descendants of ancient Israel? You know, for over a thousand years, people in England have felt they were Israelites. Uh, this was knowledgeable. People that were in an older generation were knowledgeable of this. Younger generations have not heard this. 
The uh, British writer is a Briton, uh, Gildas, wrote around 500 AD. And he just makes the comment in his writings that the Saxon invasions of England were God's punishment on his Israelites. So Gil Gildas realized that uh, there was an identification with the Israelites and uh, <clears throat> the people in Britain. King Alfred the Great, around 900 AD, made the statement that his, our ancestors were once slaves in Egypt. Our ancestors were once slaves in Egypt. So this is over a thousand years ago. Around 1100 AD, Moses Maimonides, and he was one of the greatest Jewish philosophers that has ever lived. He was a physician, I was born in Spain. He makes the statement, I believe the 10 tribes to be in various parts of Europe. So this is 1100 AD. Uh, the Declaration of Our Broth, the Scottish Declaration of Independence. Is put we the, may actually have a picture of that for our okay. viewers, too. But this was uh, the Scottish Declaration of Independence, written around 1320, written by Scottish nobles. They were writing to the Pope. They said, get this Edward guy down in England off our backs. We, we, you know, we're a legitimate nation. Uh, but it says in there that the Scots came from Scythia through Spain. Uh, <clears throat> at a certain point in time. So it makes this connection again with the Israelites. Uh, what I, one of the most interesting quotes I found was a Dr. Jacob Abadi. He was a French theologian. He was actually invited by uh, one of the kings in, in uh, Germany to come to Germany and set up a French congregation, Christian congregation. He wound up setting up congregations in England, also in Ireland. But he made the comment, he said, unless they have disappeared in the thin air, the 10 tribes are in Northwest Europe and the British Isles. So this is around uh, 1700 AD. So from Gildas commenting in 500 AD up until it really the present age, what people don't realize is that the older generation knows these things, has heard these things. Roger Williams, the gentleman that established the state of Rhode Island, Cotton Mather and Jonathan Edwards. These were prominent preachers in New England. Jonathan Edwards was considered one of the leading intellectuals in New England at that time. Uh, Ezra Stiles was one of the first presidents of Yale University. They all believed that America and Britain were Israelites. So there's, there's a lot of information people are just not given today. Mm. Let me mention one other thing. When I was living over in Ireland, had a chance to address uh, a group of retired businessmen in North Wales. We were talking about uh, the history of England and various things. So I went over and talked with them at lunch and I figured I'm not going to hide anything. I said, uh, I don't want to ruin your lunch, but you guys are Israelites. And I saw this one younger guy at the back of the room kind of put his hand on his head and think this, this is crazy. So I talked about the migrations of the Israelite tribes and how they wound up in Northwestern Europe and in the UK. When I was done, the older gentleman who was uh, chairing the meeting, he said, uh, thank you for coming. This, and he talked then to his group. He said, this man knows what he's talking about. My mother told me these things when I was a kid. And I saw this guy at the back of the room go, like what? Because he had never heard these things. But this information has been around, as I mentioned here, from Gildas to Alfred the Great to Maimonides. They knew these things, but this is not being talked about today. I also read a, 
an article that uh, Prince Charles, a number of years ago, gave a lecture to some historians. And his comment was, he said, if we don't know our history, we do not know who we are. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and many people in Britain today, especially the younger generation, they don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. So what we just wound up happened to be here. No, they, they're a group of people that have migrated out of the Middle East up through Europe, and you can follow these things genetically, you can follow it through literature, you can follow it in a number of different ways. <clears throat> Americans today just think, well, we're just Americans, we just came here. No, they're a group of people that came from specific places, and they brought their names with them. You know, we, let's, let's come back to that okay. in just a second. We'll come back to names. Okay. Mr. Meekin. Some thoughts here on, on sort of a secular perspective proving American Britain. Well, I don't know if it proves it, but to pick up on um, Dr. Winnale's comment there, uh, when I was beginning my uh, ministry, in, uh, I was married, I was in uh, West Yorkshire, and the father of our landlord, where we were renting, invited us around for me. And he was a fairly high businessman in his time. I think he was retired. And he was going to feed us food. <clears throat> so when we were finally sat down for a meal, he said, do you mind, Mr. Megan, if I ask, um, is your choice of food um, a religious issue? And I said, well, it is. He knew I was a minister. Well, he then took the opportunity, no doubt, to drop his favorite thought on me. After a, a, a kind of a brief quiet moment, he said, well, I believe that Britain is Ephraim. <laughs> came out of the blue. And quick as a flash without even thinking, I came out of the blue as well. And I said, well, and I believe that America is Manasseh. And he went, oh, I haven't heard of that one for 20 or 30 years. And he turned out to be a follower of somebody that taught that teaching uh, towards the beginning of the 1900s. So, is perfectly correct uh, and but the proof you see is here a little there a little it's breadcrumbs it's little pieces of information here and there and you've got to start, which is a bit of a mystery but you, if if you have a willing heart and, and looking to positively prove it i think there is enough information there in a variety of different ways <coughs> dr will now mention um uh, genetically uh, Brian uh, Sykes is an uh, Oxford um, uh, scientist whose specialty is mitochondrial DNA. Now, I'm oversimplifying it, but he would he will conclude that at least some of the DNA in the British Isles can be traced back to the Middle East. Now, it, should that be a surprise? Did it prove anything? Well, it's another little, little uh, brick in the wall. Uh, so there's a lot there we can only ch- take you. Uh, through a little bit of it in this short period. Brian Sykes mentions in his genetic books that he said the genetic evidence actually supports the legends that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. So people say that there's no evidence. They they don't know what they're talking about. One other book just to mention is the story of Celto-Saxon Israel. Get that picture so you can see it. It's quite readable. It talks about all 12 of the tribes talks about the migrations, and this, this is very easy to read, but there's a lot of other materials available. Mm-hmm. 
It's just that this is not talked about today. It's not politically correct to talk about these things. It's linked with the Bible, so therefore we don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And yet the information is there. I think one of these days some of the teachers are going to be held responsible for not teaching what they knew. Ah. <clears throat> While you grab that, let me, <clears throat> we need to move a little bit forward. Mr. Meekin, why is the identity of America and Britain important to us today? Whether we live in America, whether we live in Britain, or whether we live somewhere else, why is it important for us to know these things, rather than it being just a, an interesting fact of history? Well, that's the $100,000 question, isn't it? Uh, the bottom line is that the whole Bible is really a book of and pertaining to Israel. And all of the prophets uh, that God sent were sent to prophesy to Israel. And when Israel went into captivity, that wasn't the end of it, because those the, the message of those prophecies was still viable and important in the future for uh, the scattered parts of Israel. And in particular, um, you know, um, Israel was going to suffer as a result of being scattered. But then there were the, these promises of uh, uh, Ephraim becoming a great company of nations and Manasseh becoming a great nation. That needed to be fulfilled. But the conditions associated with it were still the same as with ancient Israel. If you obey me, then you may continue to reap the blessing that I want to give you. But if you veer away from that uh, and turn away from it, then, you know, you will attract to yourself. Eventually, you will be forced out of the world. So we are reaching, in a wider context, the end of the age of man and the beginning of the age of God when Jesus Christ returns to establish his kingdom. At that time, there is a grand smash climax, you might say. Um, in which there are wars and there are lots of suffering. Revelation discusses all this. But in particular, it's what happens to Israel and the descendants of Israel that God thinks is very important. And he wants to warn them through the prophets of the scriptures and the church has a responsibility involved. Well, that's why we think that our should hear this message. It's a warning from God to... Pay attention to what he says about our way of life and come to repent and change when we are not in harmony with that way of life. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, consequences are going to flow for our generation of Israelite descendants, as was true anciently of our forebears. So it's a message which is bang up to date today. And I hope there's a lot of people like me out there who re responded as I did when I was 18, like, whoa, this is a load of rubbish, <laughs> throw it away, but then bring it out and mm. prove it. The Bible says, prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. And it could mean everything for the future. Dr. Winnell, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I'd like to pick up on what Mr. Meekin was talking about. You know, we've been talking about the promises to um, Ephraim and Manasseh. And those things have been fulfilled because Abraham obeyed God those conditional promises became unconditional. But there's another set of uh, scriptures that people need to be aware of that we're not talking about much today. In Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28, outline the covenant that God made with the Israelites. 
And that covenant was basically, if you obey, you're going to be blessed. If you disobey my commandments, you are going to reap the consequences. What we are seeing today happening in America, happening in Britain, you mentioned at the very beginning of the program, why is Britain going downhill? Why is America losing its influence? Why do we have all the troubles? Basically because we have violated that covenant. I would encourage people, read through Leviticus 26, read through Deuteronomy 28. Uh, it, you, you can't read those without realizing he's talking to modern Israelites today, just as he was talking about ancient Israelites at that time. Basically, in Jeremiah 1 through 10, read the first 10 chapters there. Jeremiah says, and he's talking to the house of Israel, all 12 tribes. He says, you have forgotten me. You have turned away from me. And he said, you are going to reap what you sow. Your, your, uh, your actions are going to come back on you. One scripture just to read quickly in Deuteronomy 31, 29. Moses wrote this as he was ready to die, but he's looking down the road. He said, for I know that after my death, you will become utterly corrupt. And he's talking to the leaders of Israel and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you and evil will befall you in the latter days at the end of the age uh, because you will provoke uh, him to anger through the work of your hands. Jeremiah 10 verse uh, or Jeremiah 30 the, the chapters there talk about the problems that it talks about Jacob's trouble. It's going to be a time at the end of the age when the descendants of Jacob. Israel. Hmm? Israel is his other name. Israel will be the other name. So the Bible has this duality. Jeremiah was delivering a message to his age, but that message resonates towards the end of the age. The Bible says it here at the end of the age, at the uh, time of the end, these things are going to happen. So what we're seeing today, we are reaping what we have sown. We've turned away from God. People have no idea why is this happening to us today? Is this bad luck or whatever? No. Uh, we are repeating the mistakes of history. That's why these things are there. You know, one other scripture just to mention, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the first 10 verses there, Paul gives a series of Old Testament examples. And he says, these were written for our admonition on whom the ends of the earth are coming. So even modern Christians today, well, the Old Testament doesn't apply to us. It does apply to us. Mm -hmm. These lessons are there. And if we don't learn these lessons, there are going to be really severe consequences. Mr. Meekin. Uh just a, a, a tad more detail about Jeremiah 30. Jeremiah 30 and 31, 32, 33 uh, is all in the context of a promised new covenant. Uh, there's a reference in there to the return of Christ. There's a reference in there to the resurrection of David to become king of Israel. And it's in all of that context. And, and the 12 tribes of Israel returning to the Middle East when Christ returns. So we're not just talking Jews here. You know, Judah or modern day Israel has celebrated another anniversary from the beginning when they came into being in 1948. Um, so, but this is the 12 tribes coming back together. Now think about that. This, this is saying that in the context of Christ's return and the resurrection of David to be king over the whole of Israel and Israel returning to the promised land 
it's going to be the time of Jacob or Israel's trouble. And Israel. <clears throat> so they're around in our modern generation. Who are they? It's very important, I think, that we find out and see the natural context in which many of these scriptures um, are recorded and are to be applied in the context of history. I have a quick question from our viewers. Dr. Wanell, I'd like you to answer this, hopefully pretty quickly, but it's important. It says, does it really matter if we are descendants of Abraham or not as far as salvation and eternal life are concerned? Very good question. We have been talking about physical promises to the physical descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Uh, those are physical things. But if you look uh, through the New Testament, and um, I think I mentioned this, in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, Paul is writing to basically Gentiles. And what he says there is... Or the non-Israelites. Non-Israelites. He's saying that uh, the Israelites are blinded. The Israelites don't know who they are, and we've just been talking about that, that Americans and Britons today don't realize who they are. But then Paul goes on in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, he said, If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Mm. Now Paul is writing to a Gentile church, but he's saying, You have a stake in this too. Uh, in uh, Genesis, in uh, Galatians 6 and verse 26, he talks about this context of a spiritual Israel or the Israel of God. When a person becomes a Christian, they begin following the teachings of Jesus Christ. They become heirs to these promises. Uh, so what we're talking about here, we're talking about two different things. One was the physical promises to the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the nation and the company of nations, which have been fulfilled. We're talking about the... Uh, uh, the consequences, Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28, that's going to come on the physical nations of Israel and whoever happens to be living here. Mm -hmm. You know, when the terrorists uh, flew those airplanes into uh, the Twin Towers in New York, there were Chinese, there were Koreans, there were other Europeans, Japanese in those buildings, and they died because of what happened here. Uh, in terms of spiritual aspects, what Paul is talking about, if you become Christ, you begin living according to the laws of God, you become heirs to the spiritual promises, the coming kingdom of God, to reign with Jesus Christ in the coming kingdom of God. So this is a big picture. We were just talking about one particular aspect over here, but that aspect is going to impact our nations as... Uh, Mr. Meekin we we was saying, <laughs> we're going to see these things come to pass. Okay, well, thank you. Well, can I, have yes. I got time to spend that? Um, Galatians 3 and verse 16 says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Now those promises are partly physical and partly spiritual. We should really pay attention to both. It's not either all spiritual and no physical, or all physical and no spiritual. It's both. It's important to separate them and take both lines. It then says, he does not say unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. So the phrase, and in you all nations will be blessed, that tight phraseology leads to Christ. But in addition to that, it says that your, you and your descendants themselves would be a blessing in each generation mm. to those around <laughs> But that's separating out the two strands. And the uh, the church is the Israel of God. It's actually 
mm-hmm. Galatians 6 verse 16, uh, the church is referred to as the Israel of God. So it's interesting that God turned his back on the physical nation of Israel in the first century, and Jesus Christ rejected them because you have rejected me, so mm-hmm. I reject you, and I will raise up a new nation. That new nation is the church. Good question, good question from the questioner there. But look at the commission to that church. In first Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it's a dead ringer <laughs> uh, repeat of the commission that God gave to ancient Israel in uh, in uh, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus 19, verses that they will be a special people, you know, uh, in the service of God. Mm-hmm. So to keep those two strands separate, they're both there. Okay, thank you. Gentlemen, we need to bring this to a close, but before we do, I would like to ask you, and we'll start with Dr. Winnell, what is an important takeaway that you would like to leave our audience with today regarding our discussion on America and Britain and the Bible today? I think an important takeaway is that we need to remember our history. History is important. It's been said that if you don't know your history, you don't know who you are, if you don't remember history, you're going to wind up repeating the mistakes of history. That's why the Old Testament is there, to give us lessons that we need to remember. So I would encourage all of those listening today, find out who you are, find out where you came from, find out who America and Britain are uh, in the Bible and what is going to happen to them. Find out why they were blessed, and that's in the little booklet that we have. So we need to remember our history, not forget these things. Mr. Meekin. I think my final word is similar. Um, I recall um, reading about Britain in the 1500s as they were uh, being introduced to the Bible and as English was establishing itself uh, as a language in its own right. And in some of those books I read, there was one quote that's always stuck in my mind. It said, there's never been a time when Britain was more soaked in the Bible than those late 1500s into the 1600s. I think that's probably true for the start of America when the, when the Puritans went across. They were soaked in the Bible. Can you honestly say that Britain and America are soaked in the Bible today when they're running uh, at 100 miles an hour in the opposite direction and dumping God and dumping uh, his way of life? By soaking in the Bible, I mean they were actually interested in understanding it and following it. Now, God is pleased with that. But when people just, you know, strip God out of their lives, don't pay any attention to him, view that as just a superstition, uh, and we science will look after us now, and we all evolved anyway, um, we need to rediscover the Bible's message for our lives today. Okay. Gentlemen, thank you. Mr. Meekin, thanks for joining us from England tonight. We appreciate it. Dr. O'Neill, thank you for being back here in the studio. You know, although Britain and the United States may not be mentioned by name in the Bible, they are very clearly referred to within its pages. Britain is the company of nations, and the United States is the great nation mentioned by the patriarch Jacob all the way back in Genesis 48 and 49. When we read through the more detailed prophecies describing nations at the end of the age, the characteristics mentioned in Genesis and other traits that Abraham's descendants have can be applied to none other than these two nations, Britain and America. 
Britain and the U.S. have impacted the entire planet in powerful ways. Although they've certainly made their share of mistakes, God has used them to bring blessings on every nation that they have touched. A poignant current example in the news today is the island of Hong Kong, which was until fairly recently a British protectorate for 99 years. Knowing that these two nations descend from Jacob's children, Ephraim and Manasseh, is important. It gives the Bible reader incredible insight into end-time Bible prophecies as they relate to nations of the earth. To learn more about this fascinating topic, we really urge you to read or listen to one of our most frequently requested booklets, The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy. It's free for the asking <clears throat> or for the download at tomorrowsworld.org. This booklet will delve far greater into detail than we have time for in today's program. We invite you to join us here each week on TW Now. <clears throat> Pardon me. Next week, we plan to discuss the topic, Could Your City Go to War Over Water? And by the way, please note that next week, August 8, we will be testing a new airtime for our live program. We'll be live at 7 p.m. Eastern instead of 3, 3 p.m. Eastern. So please be aware of that. <clears throat> also, if you normally watch us on Facebook, uh, we encourage you to stick with us on YouTube. We're having problems connecting to Facebook as of late. We do encourage you to subscribe, to like, and to share today's program. Thank you again for joining us, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week here on TW Now, again, for the live program at 7 p.m.